Craig, what's your one percenter, mate? I would say my one percenter is for blokes is find find your peace. Yeah. I don't know how do you want me to keep going? Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you use that in your day? That's the next question. Yeah. I guess I think uh, what I've what I'm trying to do myself and what I find is helping me in life is filter my decision making through how it affects the peace in my life. And there's obviously external factors that affect that, but a lot of that's internal and how you process things, how you manage your own thoughts, how you um, take care of yourself. And I guess I feel like, um, you know, if all of us as blokes or people in general were working towards having a sense of peace in our own lives, how would that affect the world around us and our families, our friendships, our relationships, and where would that trickle over and how would that affect others? Yeah, really good. And a good, I won't say simple because I want you to unpack it later, but, yeah, I I feel like it's going to be a real real easy one for people to sort of implement into their lives. But, um, yeah, so if if you're liking and getting value out of these podcasts, guys, um, we'd really appreciate if you would um, subscribe on, on the YouTube channel um, like on Facebook and look, we're really after any positive, negative feedback that you have and any ideas of guests or topics that you want us to cover. So, um, we'll keep on going. So Craig, just very quickly, mm. tell us a little bit about yourself, mate. Like where do you come from? Um, we haven't done it in a little while, but you know, any kids, dad stats kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we'll go from there. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I was originally born in Queensland. Our family moved Tassie when I was 10 um, and so have been here ever since, been on the Northwest Coast ever since. Um, yes, I feel like I grew up here even though that first part of my life I suppose I didn't. But, um, yeah, um, met my wife here, got married back in 2013. Um, we've now got three kids, um, a four-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, two boys and a girl. And so – um, close together, we didn't muck around. So <laughs> be pretty full on. <laughs> yeah. So um, we figured, let's do this parent thing, and you know, just go for it. So get stuck um, in. Yeah. <laughs> so we uh, um, have just been navigating, yeah, being young parents and having young kids and all the factors involved in that. I work um, full time for an organisation um, that looks after children who have been put into residential care settings. So. Um, typically the kids we work with have experienced significant trauma in their life um, and have most of the time been removed from their families for um, various reasons. And then we kind of help support them with teams that can treat their situation therapeutically and with a trauma-informed lens to try and set them up for a better future, whether that's foster care or reunification with the family if it's appropriate. And then outside of that, Um, my wife and I have started a church. We're about 12 months into a church plant, um, that takes up our time as well. So they're the kind of three pillars of my life or three factors. I don't have much more time outside of that between being a dad and, and, and a husband, um, work and then church. Like they're the three things that kind of fill my life. Yeah. Gives us a lot to unpack and to get into. So we'll go back to your one percenter. Yeah. Um, Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah. Um, I guess I kind of, when you asked me about it, I feel like that's something that I've been figuring out for myself a bit of late, the last few years, maybe 
maybe, you know, being a dad maybe makes you more reflective or something or, or it reveals parts of you that you didn't know were there. Like it's really easy to be a chill, like peaceful guy throw three toddlers in your house and see how <laughs> peaceful you are, you know. Um, so maybe there's a bit of that in there. Um, but, yeah, so I think I constantly think about how I am as a father and how I react to things and what I let get to me and what why I think I let it get to me and, and what else is going on in my life that then became an issue for my kids because I couldn't deal with it myself. But then they did a thing a two-year-old does. And I reacted like they should know better when they're two, you know. So yeah. maybe that's part of the space I'm in. Um, obviously, in the church context of my life or the faith context of my life, you know, there's a a value around living peacefully and and you know having a sense of peace in my life. And then my work context, you know, dealing with kids with trauma um, and the behaviors that come along with that and the I guess the intense environments that that creates, the staff that I look after or try and help and assist in those sorts of things, how we help create environments that are peaceful for kids that have come from really unsettling and, and traumatic environments. So, yeah, I guess there's there's a lot there. But um, I read a book last year called um, A Non-Anxious Presence and I feel like that maybe gave me some language around how I was feeling and what I've been thinking around. And I guess the the term um, a non-anxious presence comes from, I think a guy named Edwin Friedman or something like that um, coined the term a while ago. And so another guy wrote a whole book on it. But I guess the general idea is that if you within yourself can cultivate a sense of peace and become a non-anxious presence, that that deeply impacts the world around you and the people around you. And the idea of a non-anxious presence is that my calm would affect your calm and that if I can work on being a non-anxious presence in the peace in my own life, then I can then do the same for others or it affects others and impacts others. And so, yeah, I guess it kind of makes you think about what are the things in your life that disrupt your peace, make you anxious, um, that should or shouldn't and, how do you respond to those things? So that's probably a bit of what I've been thinking about. And was anxiety, like you've mentioned being anxious, was anxiety something that you'd sort of, I won't say suffered with, but struggled with um, in the past that led you to sort of think about this kind of thing? Or is it really just something that, I guess for lack of a better term, sort of fell into your lap and yeah. you know, with what you're doing in life and, and everything? Yeah. I definitely wouldn't say I'm someone who's dealt with anxiety, not not nowhere near like what people can do. Um, mental, like my mental health in general has been pretty stable for the most part. And, and I've never had to have any sort of, you know, treatment for it or, you know, we all have our highs and lows at moments, but definitely not like clinically. Yep. Um, um, but yeah, I think at different points in my life, I've had been in environments that have caused anxiety for sure. And then tried to figure out, is it worth it? And so, um, like for instance, I was working in an organization where it definitely definitely felt like my peace was being disrupted and the environment, the circumstances, the situations that were in the space, all those sorts of things I guess I felt were were like I was balancing the idea of 
loving what I did and who I was doing it with and the value and the sense of what I found important about it with the feelings of this is affecting my peace and making me, you know, not making me anxious, but it was an anxious place to be or, or you know, those sorts of things. So um, that would be, I guess, a journey I've done with that and and not being in that space, you realise afterwards how much it actually did affect you and then how that then affected the people in your life because of the space you were operating from. So I would imagine for a lot of blokes there's different environments that they're in workplace or relationship-wise that can cause that for them and then to have to navigate how that impacts their most important relationships like their marriages or their their partners and their children, family, whatever. Um, I mean, maybe we underestimate how, like what's important and what isn't, I guess, in the process of the environments we put ourselves in, whether it's for a wage or for certain other, you know, outcomes that we want. Um, at what price are we paying for some of those things? Yeah. I mean, I'm, what I'm picking up from all this is like we can use, we've got the term there, an anxious presence or whatnot. Also, you could probably use a destabilizing environment or a destabilizing presence. I yes. Guess. So you you don't want to be in an environment where you're, you're coming in relatively level 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 headed and being in a space that's destabilizing for your neutral plane or yeah, it's probably an Nathan term, but um, <laughs> or, or but you also don't want to go into a you know, with your family, you don't want to be that destabilizing presence in that either. You want to oh, make sure yeah. that you're calm for them because, yeah. you know, birds of a feather or whatever you want to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I heard the um I heard recently a guy talking about burnout and just how um, you know, basically he was sort of saying there's three aspects of particularly like a work environment and how it how it affects how you feel about it. And he was saying that the first one is the level of stress or challenge that it that it has in your life. The third, uh, the second one is how much control you have over it uh, or in it. And the third one is um, the level of reward. And he sort of talked about a bit like that dial there, like some can be up, some can be down. And so you, you could be in an environment where the stress and challenge is high, but if the reward is high, you can maintain like a level of, um, work that typically you wouldn't be able to because it's worth it. And, and so then challenge might be high or low around, you know, you get to choose your work hours or you get to, um, you know, pick and choose who you work with or some of those things. Different people have different amounts of flexibility. If you, if the stress and challenge level is really low, people are bored and it's like, why am I doing this? Like I've got more in me than this. So it's not about like dropping that completely because, Often the things that that don't have any of that aren't very fulfilling. So you see that a lot. Sorry to interject, no. but like you see that a lot as an example for those that are listening. Um, in no offense to mine workers that might be listening, but you, you hear this a lot from guys that work in the mines that drive the trucks that um, run a you know like a mill or, or something where they're just doing a a, a monotonous just very simple-minded sort of task, that lack of challenge and um, diversity yeah. diversity in their day-to-day sort of job um, 
they really struggle with it. And from yeah. a mental health point of view, it, it yeah. really does affect them. And it, it's funny because, you know, you cop a little bit of criticism for not doing any work or, you know, whatever and ever. Um, but for some people, it really it really is a struggle to, to not yeah. have that challenge in life. So, yeah, yeah that's it's not really stimulating enough. Like it's like, and it, a lot of those guys probably earn great amounts of money. Like, yeah. So the reward is high, but they're away from their families or they're away from home and fly in, fly out. It's like, the reward's high financially, but is it low is it cost relationally? Up, cost otherwise, yeah. Yeah, so um, I guess the, the thing I was listening to, the guy was basically explaining that if you're in an environment where your stress and challenge is high, your control is low and your reward is low, they're the ingredients for burning out. And so I guess um, like in the context of finding peace, like finding peace isn't eliminating all of the stresses or challenges in your life because – it's about having those things in balance somehow that you're doing things that you think are important. The reward is actually there for it. And um, I guess working in my context, I work a lot with people, which the control is low on working with people because it's not an object. You can't, yeah. like if you're a cabinet maker, you can make whatever you want, how you want with people. It's like you could put everything in and they do the exact opposite of what you are, (laughs) you know, especially with children. It's like, you know, um, and their context and environment just changes the way their brains work and all this sort of stuff. So, I mean, like you can't factor on that. So stress can be high, but is the reward high? Um, And how does that affect your peace in the other aspects of life? Um, What kind of reflection process do you, sorry. I was just going to say, what kind of reflection process do you have to sort of pull yourself up, pull yourself up on, while working in those scenarios to to try and maybe understand that oh hey like I'm I'm getting out of I guess my comfort zone or, or whatever here um, my stress is going you know too far in the wrong wrong direction mm. how do you sort of pull yourself up on that and and bring yourself back to that realization of like self peace and yeah. just try and stick with it we'll go with the family one yeah. given that yep. um, dads and yeah. new dad to be so yeah yeah great. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I feel like the gauges or the telltale signs of my of things being out of balance for me is what I'm like at home. Um, and I think maybe a lot of guys are like that in that at work you can be the work version of yourself. Socially you can be that. But then at home you don't have the luxury of like your ba- your barriers are down at home and you, you're most yourself at home and, you know, you're most vulnerable at home and some of those things. And so, yeah, unfortunately my kids probably like the way that I let having a, ha- a house full of toddlers affect me and the way I feel like I respond. And when I walk away and I'm like, why would I, why would I react like that to something that's so small? It's not because of that situation. It's because of, the other aspect aspects of my life. You're not up, not operating at the work level. You're operating at the home level. Yeah, exactly. And your threshold's lower. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You see that with the kids too. Like you, you go out and you go to the restaurant and the kids will be absolutely immaculate and you get all these compliments out of the kids and then you get home and they're just tearing the walls yeah. down. You're like, <laughs> I did not bring the same kids home. <laughs> but it's, it's just because they're in their comfort zone and those yeah. thresholds come down. They, they're not guarding themselves. They're just letting it out. Yeah. And you just got to let them go. Yeah. Well, I need to come to the restaurant with you because my <laughs> <atrocious> <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> so, yeah. So I guess like, and so they should be able to be, in, and, and as the adults, we should be mature enough to navigate our stuff so that they can have that space at home and we don't react in a way that's like, I don't know, just 
I don't know. That's what I guess as a dad myself, I'm often asking myself the question of, you know, and I just think the way I respond to them will form and shape them as people. And if I can't check the stuff in my own life that I should, you know, I don't want to then influence their futures because I couldn't check that within myself. Um, and if that means, you know, making hard decisions in different environments to then, you know, create the space I want to at home. Um, I mean, at what cost do you, do you um, affect those things at home? Like, is there any money, any amount of money really worth that? Or is any career really worth some of that? So um, yeah, or your own mental health or the, the breakdown of relationships with your family because you wanted to buy that thing that you thought you needed and you got it and it wasn't even that good in the, in the end anyway, you know? It's a real stressor for blokes and, and I think we've spoke about this either on the podcast or just at length outside of the podcast, but it's where men are at sort of in society these days um, and, and, you know, of late is really in this uh, somewhat sort of conflicted space where, you know, if years gone by, like men were very much the um, – Hunter gatherers, yeah. essentially, and what do you gather now in modern society other than money? Um, and your way to support family now is through, uh, you know, like bringing money into like money resource into the household. Um, and for a, a lot of guys, it's it's that real focus on I need to I need to provide, I need to bring things back. On you know, I need to yeah. have that for my family, for my family to be happy. But for so many, they get so caught up in this bringing stuff into the family kind of vibe that they forget that you know the family yeah. exists. You know, yeah. Like yeah. the family yeah. forget the reason why like, you bring it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally. They want um, you there for bath time. They want you there to um, sit at the dinner table. They don't want you at work every night. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and I think maybe. Most I would imagine most blokes our age and our father's version of like things have, have changed. I think a lot in what people think a dad functions like in the home these days, and I think it's changing for the better. In that it's not simply about paying the bills and having food on the table; those things are obviously a factor. But to be emotionally present and physically present, and some of those things, um, you know, I think. Uh, just as important and I read I, I haven't read it actually but there's a book out that I um I listened to a series of podcasts that were about the release of this book and it's called um the intentional father and the the idea of the book is that there's different types of dads um there's the absent father where there's like no contact at all with the children which is you know one aspect there's like fly and fly out dads where they're present but they're gone for long periods of time. But when they're home, they're engaged and, you know, those sorts of things. Then there's like your, um, you know, well, there's bad dads too where it's, you know, destructive. But then I guess the way it tends to go is that there's the good dad, which is doing the things we've just talked about, like trying to provide for the family, trying to, you know, be present when they're home, get up, go to work, come home, be as present as they can or whatever. Um so the idea of this book is that there's another type of parenting or another type of, of fatherhood, which is called the intentional father, which is where you don't just, and I guess, sorry to say the other part, sorry to miss this, the other part of a good dad is that they parent from their understanding of 
what they were parented like. Mm. So they'll give their kids the things that they wish they had as a kid because they think that's what it means to meet the needs because I didn't get this so I'll give that to my kids or, you know, this was good about the way my parents treated me so, I'll, you know, or whatever. And he said that's that's good parenting is in like it's it's a category but there's the intentional father which then is the next phase of things where you're not just parenting through your own lens of being a child, you're actually trying to understand the child that you've got and the personality of that child and the temperament of that child and what that young person needs from a dad and then parent that way. So I feel like that's a different approach to what I've ever understood about parenting because most blokes are just winging it and doing the best they can um, and, you know, trying to provide and trying to be present and trying to play and have fun and not yell at them too much and whatever else. But that next level of it to be an intentional father is something I guess I want to be. And maybe that's why finding peace is important to me because that will make me more intentional around the environment I've created for my family. That's a really good spot to, um, yeah, to, to, to probably not almost leave it, but, um, yeah, you, your comments about fatherhood, um, is obviously something near and dear to, to my heart at the moment as someone that two weeks, three weeks out from having a baby, um, our first. So, yeah, very, very crazy. So, but yeah, can totally resonate with with where you're coming from, and um, yeah, everything that sort of you say, like it's it's very much what's going on through my head at the moment. Like, I know a lot of people, um, you know, everyone's probably experienced it that that has kids or has kids on the way. Like, everyone in community is just like, "Oh, are you ready yet?" And it's like, "Fuck no!" I don't, <laughs> like, I don't know. Never ready. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think so. But you know, your yeah. comment on on winging it is is. You know, we're all, I don't care who you are, like I don't think anyone in the world like knows exactly what they need to do. We're all just sort of winging it to a degree. Some people are just winging it a little bit more educatedly than than others. Like, Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think you can do anything but wing it. Yeah, no. yeah. No, I agree. As long as you just make the team work. That's all you got to do. Yep. Yeah. I, I guess my final sort of thing, and I know you've come back to, you've brought it back a lot to, to finding your peace. And mm. I think the one thing that um, maybe we haven't sort of touched on is do you have any um, like real hard and fast kind of techniques or strategies that, that you have mm. um, to help you find your peace? Yeah. Um, there'd be elements of it. I think knowing the signs of something disrupting it like is a, like is part of that, I guess, um, you know, you can always sort of like with your fuel tank in your car, you can let it run to empty before you realize you got no fuel or you can check the gauge as it's going. Like what is it like at quarter at, at a quarter tank, half a tank? And I guess in some ways I don't want to be at empty before I recognize that it's diminishing. Like what are the signs at half a tank kind of thing? Um, and how to you know? And how do I then address it rather than wait till it's completely empty? Um, but one of the things that I've tried to do in my life for a while, I've got I've got a um, like a mentor that I pay, like a professional mentor that I meet with um, every two months. Um, it's kind of just like a safe place. I talk to him about everything I'm thinking about, everything I'm feeling, everything I'm navigating. Um, and I decided to do that in a way that's um, that 
I like I value it enough that I'll pay for it. Um, some people might have a counselor. Some people might have a psychologist. Um, I've paid a professional mentor um, for the last nearly seven years. Um, and one of the things that we talk about, we, aspects of that is to do with my spirituality, but a lot of it's just to do with my life and all the components of that. So that's relational, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual. You know, there's five kind of areas. I don't know if I said five, but there's five. Um, so that's our regular conversation. How am I going in those five areas? And I think all five affect my peace. If I'm physically diminished, it affects it. If I'm emotionally depleted, it affects it. If I'm mentally, it affects it. Spiritually, it affects it. So um, relationships, if I've got some challenging relationship, it affects it for sure. Um, but, yeah, I guess um, one of the things that I've tried to do for a long time is I do a like a, a, it's a bit of a ritual or for me it's like a prayer at the end of the day and part of that is um, reflecting on my day with gratitude, like what throughout. And I know there was an, a, a topic on gratitude recently and and so a part of that is that I review my day and find the things to be grateful for um, rather than just brush past everything and try and be grateful for the things that are small, things that are big, and I feel like that it, that affects me and my peace going forward because instead of focusing on what's challenging in my life at the time, I have a daily practice where I think about what I'm grateful for, um, which I think anyone could do, whether it's a part of a spiritual ritual or just a general one. Couldn't agree more. And that is the crescendo that I was probably looking for to, to end this episode. And, mate, brilliant, um, really great small things. Um, and look, for a lot of people, they might not sound like small things, but really, um, you know, it's the small changes that you can make in your life very gradually, which will make a huge impact um, over the board. So thanks, mate, for coming on. Um, and if you got something out of um, this episode or the episodes that you've heard in the past, please um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It really helps us grow, helps us to um, keep on doing this work. Um, like um, and share on, on Facebook and all the other socials. The podcast, if you're looking for just the audio, is available on Spotify, Google and iTunes. Other than that, folks, this is almost wrapping up um, the last interview for season one. Um, we'll be kicking off again with season two um, in mid-June. So thank you all for listening, watching, wherever you are in the world. Stay safe. Love you all. Take care. Cheers. 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 Cheers.